Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us. This is the Melbourne D's, the premiership team, also known as probably one of the most exciting teams, I think. It's got Clary, it's got Gorn, it's got Stephen May, the trader. Um, pretty much everything you could hope for in a team, to be honest. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they back up this year. But before we move on, SC Insider 100, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, all the audio platforms as well, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it. Find us, listen to us. And if you want to see our mugs, come and check us out on the YouTube. Please do like, subscribe, put that little notification on, you know, whenever we release stuff, because it is quite sporadic at this point. You kind of need to let, you know, get a notification. It's all, no, mate, it's all anger for me. And I said, and I said to my mates, I'm getting on the Melbourne pod and I'm shouting out one of my, my mates, Ty, because we had our fucking draft last night, Keeper League. And we'd, we've come over from the fantasy um, world into the super coach. So all we had to do was put our 20 keepers there, pick our 20 keepers, and then it was open slather for our last 10 picks. Well, what does he do? Doesn't put his keepers in order. I've got meals. He takes meals off me. But even worse, he forgets to take Jared Berry, who's on his keeper list. So I pick him up. I pick him up. Yeah, good Shane. Yeah, Shane's a good, good follower. And then completely stuffs my fucking draft because hit that's his player. So friggin' hell, Ty, get your shit in order because you fucked my keeper league last night, buddy. And a quick shout out to my mate Dave, big Melbourne supporter. Happy you actually got a premiership to to support and cheer on last year, mate. So all good. We're hoping to get Chrissy on as well um, tomorrow. I believe it's tomorrow. I believe it's it's all happening tomorrow evening. Probably leaving Port Adelaide because I want to hear him talk about Butters and his high expectations. So I'll probably leave him with the rounding out, smashing out these quick fire pods and getting it on like a house like Donkey Kong. The D's. All right, so let's have a look. They have a pretty interesting draw. So when I was talking about their draw being quite difficult, when we look at um, you know Clayton Oliver, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, talking about you know they do play you know the Dogs, they play Essendon, Port Adelaide, Giants, Richmond. You know, but I guess it's not that bad. I mean, Hawks and Saints, it's not too bad from there. But the interesting thing is Swiss, Swizzy here, Swiss Cheese, um, was saying it's actually six out of eight games at the MCG Swiss to start the year. Yeah, actually, it could even be more than that, I'd say. Yeah, because we all get distracted because of the dogs and then uh, the Ds, uh, the power in round four, which they've got away. But after that, the Giants, Tigers, Hawks, Saints, all in a row at the G. Uh, they got the Eagles and North both away, the North games at Marvel. So big deal about those two teams because they'll be down the bottom of the ladder. The Eagles are shit. And then they've got Freo, Sydney, Pies and Lions all at home at the G again. And then play the Crows away. Like for a premiership, um, you know, back to what I'm trying to say is, is yeah. for, their, for, for them to team, be defending the premiership, yeah they've, yeah, they've got a fucking, yeah. they've been gifted a start to the season and that, like. Everyone says, buddy, Richmond's kissed on the dick. Well, fuck me, the days of the buddy competitions looked after them, haven't they? Yep. So six of the first eight rounds are at to the MCG. Um, that's pretty decent. And then after that, you know, they play West Coast and North again, you know, pretty not, not a big deal. Four games in a row again at the MCG. And then they play Adelaide away. So yeah. 
when you sort of say that, it makes me a little bit more interested uh, in the D's players here, Swiss. I'm not going to lie because everyone doesn't like to travel. Uh, Melbourne will be looking after those bodies, mate. So I'm actually pretty interested in that. Let's move straight on into the high relevancy and the premiums. We're going to be starting off with our main man looking at Clayton Oliver. Has to be number one person spoken about. He's 672,000. Average 123.5 this year. He has been notorious for averaging high numbers. Um, again, my concern was his history against its first four opponents haven't been a huge amount previously. And um, and he actually dislocated his finger in the third quarter in the trial match. So I'm actually a little bit worried about Clayton Oliver. Um, but he is absolutely a notorious talent. You can't fault him. He had 10 scores over 125. He scored a ton, yeah, 77% of the time. Um, I think only went under 80, like 5% of the time. So he's highly durable, highly effective, highly potent. Um, Swizz, are you worried about that, the finger, or do you think you'll be all right? I think he came back on after the finger. This guy's tough as nails. Yeah. Doesn't miss but games. But what if he does it again then? He might, you know I mean? Fingers might pop again. I think Clarish is the sort of guy would go off, pop it back in, and I'll get back out there. He's just that sort of but player. But he might need surgery at some point if he does it again. Oh, I mate, mean, yeah. the only You're thing. You're not turning me off this bloke. And that he's, mate, he's, a, <laughs> he's a legit gun, mate. And that. The yeah, only, I know. He, the only issue with him is he's got fucking red hair. But outside Well, that's of what that, I was going to say. At least, you know, he's not going to damage his finger out in his personal life with that red head. So uh, his fingers should be pretty safe on that front. But, um, you yeah, if he tries to hold the trophy a bit, maybe, maybe some dangerous, some dangerous action yeah. coming on. Uh, I do like him. For me, though, I'm probably maybe even going to wait and see just based on the price points and around it. It's really funny to see that I would pick probably even a steal over Oliver at this point. Uh, shortened preseason. He still looks fit, though. This weekend will probably be the big test. If he gets up for this weekend and looks fit, then I might just have to start him. It's going to be a, an aesthetics test. Who looks fit? Who's running on top yeah. of the ground? All those cliches for this weekend. He was the uh, first guy I traded in last year, so I didn't start him last year when he sort of went that, you know, 84, 99. Actually, the 84 was preseason, but the 99, the 96. And I got him in, and he went 177, 105, 205. So I was very happy trading him in there. And that's probably just the worry because the season started so late last year. Um, I know, like, the Tigers went through it. Those The Hawks, um, when they were winning those premierships, I think it's a bit the same at the D, especially because the season was pushed back last year. It might, um, you know, they might just work themselves into it because that shortened preseason, and they've got bigger fish to fly, fry. So it's about getting their bodies right at the right time of the year. And so, yeah, you could see them having a bit of a slow start. In saying that, Clary in the practice match the other day just looked so good again. So, yeah, it's yeah, really no, hard to you. not. Uh, yeah, but I think well, what do you say? He's gone one twenty two, one twenty three the last two years. Do you see him actually going more than that, Benny? I'm not too sure, to be honest. It's it's a funny one. So I think, you know, Petrarca could probably even take his game to the next level a little bit. But I think his role is pretty solid. I can't see that sort of changing too much. They did win a lot of games. It was, you know, a bit up and down. But um, the the main thing for me is, is that, you know, if he does have a big game against Gold Coast, then his price will probably stay similar to where it is anyway. Gold Coast for his bunny side, he scored 166 and 175 out of two of the last three games he's played against them. So... It's an interesting one for me. I think the Gold Coast game is one I'm banking on probably either liking or being hurt, whether I'm on the right side of Oliver or not. Yeah, well, against North on the weekend, he's gone 123. And I just think that's that's where he's at. I don't see his break-evens right on 123. So that's what he that's what he scores. I can't see him 
pulling out that 130, 135. I just don't think he's going to get forward and kick enough goals like, you know, your Gazers used to do to be that, you know, absolute uber, uber premium. But I think as a guy who's going to average you between 120, 125, where a bit like when we talked about Tom Stewart, you just, you know what you can get from Clary. Yeah, there's a couple of big games where he's going to throw in the 180 to 200. He always does. And especially against one of those weaker oppositions, you just hope if you don't start him, it's not the Gold Coast Suns. And it's more when he's going through that period of West Coast, North Melbourne and um, and Adelaide there. He loves beating up on Adelaide. So, yeah, I'm not against not starting him because Steele, Took and McRae are all great options as well. And I think, the hope is yeah, he has a couple of those quiet games against the Doggies or the Bombers or and quiet for Oliver standard being, say, maybe only 110. Just drops slightly in price, maybe down to 640, 650. And here's the guy I'd be looking to upgrade for the first. But that's always hard because you're going to need to get 640K to get, you, to get him. Yeah, I think he got down to about 570 or 580. Um, he's still going to be fairly expensive, however, which way you look at it, because he generally has a really good floor. And an exceptional ceiling. So you pretty much have to get lucky and get on at the right time. Next one is Max Gorn. He's 657K ruck, uh, average 120.8. And I know he did Taylor off. He averaged 130 for the first seven, 117, and then 115 for the middle to the later part of the year. Uh, he looked good though in the practice match the other day. And, and here's the thing is that the, the, the doubts with Bruce, it starts to kind of bring Maxi up here. Um, you mean Jackson? Oh, sorry, Jackson. Sorry. Oh, well, the, no, the, oh yeah. So doubts with Bruce in the ruck is in standard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so it makes, you know, Gaundy start to become a bit more favorable and a bit more, um, safe. You feel like you can sleep at night a little bit. And when you start to have a look at, you know, Max Gorn and you look at his history, it's pretty good against his, his opponents. So against the Bulldogs, he's gone 120 and 125, his last two outings, the Suns, he's gone 138, 153, his last two outings. And then Essendon, he's gone 103, 121, 126, his last three outings against them. So, you know, it's one of those things where I don't mind it. And if I feel the rucks aren't coming through, then I might just have to pay, even though I think he's overpriced, right? I think he still averages 115 or so for the year. But it's going to be an interesting one, Swizz. Yeah, the worry obviously is Jackson and how much they share the time because we know what talent Luke Jackson is and we saw what he did in that grand final. The problem is, it's the ruck draw. So with rucks, as we've said before, it's not looking at the opponent; it's looking at the the one-on-one ruck. It's the only real position um, that doesn't that you know the two players go at each other all game. Even the odd, maybe the fullback, full forward, but a lot of these you know midfielders and half forwards they change on each other and might only play you know twenty percent, fifty percent on each other. But the rucks, you know who they're manning up against. Game one, Martin or English, you know, a Wits coming back, Draper. Possibly Lysette. If not, it'll be Hayes. Um, GWS, you don't know what Ruckman they're going to throw at them. If it's Flynn or Pruce, Richmond's going to be Nank. Hawthorne, we don't don't actually have enough information about Probably the Hawks Ruck. Yeah. It could be Lynch, Reeves, McAvoy. And then you start getting to your Marshall, Ryder, and Natanui. But that's not till round eight. So those first sort of seven rounds, they're probably the weakest Rucks in the competition. So if Gorn is, you know, and Rucks usually start slow. But Gorney the other day in the practice match, all he was doing was take the centre bounce, pop down to the defence, take an intercept mark and letting Jackson do more things up the forward line. And then, you know, he was probably actually spending that little bit more time on field because, yeah, he can just kind of roam around and do his own thing at centre-half back. And um, and that leaves Lever and May to actually man up on someone. So 
it could be kind of scary against some of those teams who don't, especially say the Suns, um, who don't have a great forward line. Gorney could just sit there all day and be taking intercept mark after intercept mark. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's going to be the number two ruck. It just depends if you're willing to pay 657 because he's probably going to be valued between 600 and sort of 620 at best, maybe a little bit cheaper. But you know yep. what you're getting. And the issue I have, though, is if you don't start him, you probably want him in, right? And the problem becomes, though, is that, you know, you don't really want to bring him in against West Coast North, Fremantle, do you know what I mean? Those three games. And then at that point, you're not really going to bring him in for 12 and 13 because he has his buy in round 14. So you kind of either have to start him. I don't know if I want to pay overs because he's probably going to dominate. Like his history against opponents, uh, mid 115s to even 130, like Hawthorne, 136 and a half, Gold Coast, 128.8. Like he has some notoriously big scores and then it drops off against West Coast North Fremantle, literally goes 107 down to 104 based on average. So it's going to be an interesting one for me. Um, I feel like if you don't start him, though, you're probably going to have to wait until after the buy yeah, and hope and it gets a... cheaper at that point. And how how long are you, are you really willing to spend 14 weeks without a ruck? Well, that's it. Like, And I've been really tempted about Riley O'Brien, um, but there was a little bit watching uh, Strawn you know, share a bit of time the other – well, have a bit of the ruck time the other day, and they've been talking about talking him up. The other issue of Gorn is he's got that last buy. So – it's an awkward time to bring him in after the buys. So I think if you're going to start him, I mean, if you if you want him, you need to you need to start him. Otherwise, you're backing in O'Brien or Marshall, one of those guys to take over the mantle because it's just going to be yep. an awkward time to get him in. And if you're sitting on the fence, I feel you. I 100% feel you. It's, you know, when I looked at Jackson up against Gorn, once the ball hit the ground, Jackson was just a beast. He was running. He out picked it up like a ruck rover, outran Gorn. Gorn was trying to chase him down and tackle him. I'm also concerned that maybe if they are trying to go for another premiership, then you know, Gorn could easily be rested. If they're winning some games, I'd be like, sweet, Jackson, you come play ruck, mate. Gorn, you have a week off or two weeks off or whatever. We'll just rest you throughout the season and get you a cherry right for the finals. What's the point in beating him up well, if he's not 100%? So is it one of those things where you kind of go, okay, well, do they need him every round? Probably not with Max Gorn. They could easily get Jackson in there. So I'm a little bit worried about that and being burned. Yeah, um, I think it could be the other way, Benny, where he plays early. Do, do what Geelong used to do. get the early, Bank the early wins. And then after the bye, it's like, okay, can we rest this guy a couple of weeks here and there leading into the final so he's ready to go for final. So Yeah, that's what I'm worried actually, about. Yeah. Any rest? So, but I, I would rather start him and then possibly use one of those extra trades around buy time and go, okay, well, I don't want to miss out on Grundy Gorn in the same buy as they always do because of the Queen's birthday match. Maybe I move Gorn on and hopefully he's 700 and something and actually do something with that money, pick up a ruck who's got a soft draw and run home like Darcy did last year and, um, and, and bank those points that Gorn would be missing for that Queen's birthday clash. So, yeah, there's a big possibility I'll look at doing something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. It also, for me, depends if Bruce looks like he's going to actually take the number one this weekend. Uh, also, Hayes as well, I'm really keen on, and Coombin. So, um, Coombin, I think that's how you say his name. So, pretty much, that's the, the, the tossing up for me. Um, I've heard good things about Hayes or how bad Lysette's injury is as well is also determining. Uh, I'm not sure how bad that is at this point. So, I'm kind of keeping an eye on this weekend. But if I am in doubt, I'll probably just lock in those two. And the shit thing is it really messes with my format because I love my team. 
without going in it at this point. Like, you know, when you look at like, oh, wow, like I can do so much with my side and everything looks so even and balanced. And then you kind of go, oh, here's my 12 premiums. Oh, where are the rookies? Like, it's just, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one this weekend. And um, yeah, I feel you if you are uncertain. Yeah, no, All right. completely understand. Let's move on. Now, this team has a lot of premiums, let's say. Now, we're going to touch on probably one more, and it's more about whether you are faithful in him coming back to the fold, and it's our lovely, lovely one that we spoke about a couple of years ago. It's Devin Smith's arch nemesis, Christian Petrarca, 606,000. He averaged 111.4. That's a lot of money to pay for someone that wasn't top 10, though, Swizz. Can he get back to a 120 sort of average this year? I think everybody knows the talent this guy has, um, but it's just a matter of are we ever going to see that like superstar uber season? Like fantastic that that grand final he played just brilliant, and and that's what he does. Like in some games he just bobs up. And like 111 as an average is nothing to sneeze at. The 117 the year before, fantastic numbers, but that's your sort of more around that Zach Merritt mark, not the uber elite midfielders. And I think that's what he's always going to be. He's going to have those games where if you have him in a more a, um, if you play head-to-head in your leagues, um, yeah, those weeks where you're able to vice-captain him and get that 173 that he scores, that 148, 146, fantastic. If you're more of an overall ranking player, I think you leave Petrarca alone um, because he's just not going to be the top, sort of top eight player. You're and you be. better get him cheap enough anyway. Like when you have a look at it, so Petrarca, right, 660,000, average 111.4, has a great ceiling, right? Now, the, there's two things that concern me. Number one is that two games out of five, he goes under 100 based on last year. So two games out of five, he's going under 100, which means you're going to be able to get him cheaper, number one. It's a perfect upgrade, upgrade target. You know, Clayton Oliver went uh, a ton or more, you know, basically nearly 80% of the time. So you're looking at, you know, a whole – um, 20% more, nearly. So it's one of those kind of things. And the other one is, is that he actually returned really big, strong, and powerful. So that's based on what the website was saying and what the, the Ds were saying. So that kind of makes me a little bit more cautious because when you sort of look at, you know, Dangerfield and then you say Petrarca, he comes back big and strong and powerful. And then I start to look at, well, they've got Dunstan in, you know, Viney. They've got these other guys like Pickett's now going to start pinching in the midfield. Yes, are they going to sort of go, hey, right, Petrarca, you are a midfielder, but then you're going to sort of you know play forward a little bit more? Um, because those bigger bodies, it's kind of, you know, if you're powerful, it's kind of like the Rainers and stuff like that. You're in there for impact. The Stringers, you're in there for impact, and then you go forward. You're not 100% midfielder. Uh, and that's probably my concern at this point. I just want to see a little bit more from him. And he's different to Clary. Clary, who just beats up on the weak teams and – as we said, it gets those double tons, which is just fantastic when you have um, tracker, tracker stores aren't necessarily against some of the weaker teams. Like it was a 78 against North last year, you know, 96 against the Pies. Some of his big scores, you know, 133 against Tigers, who were the you know, reigning premiers, 130 against the Lions. We know the Lions have been up there, 173 against Port Adelaide. Uh, there was a hundred and, I know there was a big score, I think, against the, uh, what was it? Geelong, yeah, 146 against Geelong as well. So it seems like he gets himself up for those big games. I think it's, um, yeah, he's an impact player, so that yeah, probably makes exactly. sense. Whereas Clary's an accumulator. So your impact players, you know, like your Bonds and Pellies, they don't yeah. always get a whole lot of the ball, but when they do, they're so impactful. They can actually change the game. They can score goals. They can 
mark, they can tackle, they can get the contested ball, they can do it all. But because of that impact factor, that's why they have the more fluctuations. Their standard um, very um, standard variables are actually you know, higher. So they actually have good scores, but then they also kind of, if the team's winning, they don't need Petrarca to kind of be the guy or the X factor to win them the game. So he can kind of just chip along and do the team thing and, and be quite happy with it. Do you know what I mean? If the team's doing well, you don't really need to kind of you know, run around trying to absolutely bust your balls because you know you play a top four side next week and you know that you're going to prepare and absolutely come out there and smash it. So I, I see the logic in that, Swiss. And, and the structure too, like people are starting between three and five premium midfielders. Of those guys, I want to know that they can either be vice-captain or captain option every week. Uh, and Petrarca's got the option, you know, can be a vice-captain option. But when I'm looking for my Vs, but what I'm looking for my, for my VC is, you know, fixture related. So Oliver, okay, they're playing the Suns. I'm putting the VC on him. I'm putting the captain on because they're a shit team. That he's going to beat up on it. McRae does the same thing. So does Steele. Where Petrarca, I'm not as confident because I'm like, oh, I can't. I don't want to put the captain on him when they're playing the Lions or they're playing Geelong. But that's what he seems to go. So I liked, if I'm picking a premium midfielder, I want to know that guy can be my captain any given week. Yeah. I mean, Petrarca did have seven scores over 125, but once again, 40% of his games, he went under 100. 41%, should I say. So, mm. do you know what I mean? It's like if you put a VC on a guy that might go 103 out of every five, you know, it's not bad, but then you know that for the fact that you're 40% of the time, you're going to be very upset. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's just one of those things to consider. Um, let's move on. I think that's pretty much it for mainly the, the main pickers. We'll get on to a little bit of draft relevancy. There's not much rookies here, though, Swiss, and that's the thing. So we're keeping an eye out this weekend, I think um, Bedford, I'm kind of keeping an eye on now. He was a speedy forward runner-up in the BNF for Casey, but there's a lot of competition for that kind of forward spot at this point in time, so it's going to be interesting if he can, A, get in and stay into the team. He's definitely someone that might actually end up being, you know, wearing the vest, you know, like a speedy forward yeah. kind of type because yeah. they could easily throw someone else like, oh, pick it, bang, you're in the midfield now, and then someone else, you're behind the ball. You know what I mean? So it's – um, I feel like he'd be a, a, probably a pretty good sub vest, which kind of sucks. Um, some other value is Tomlinson, 306,000 defender, I believe, back into defense, possibly a little draft sneaky, someone that could average you 80, you know, 80 to 90. Tomlinson, I don't know if you're a big fan, Swiss. No, I disagree because the lever may factor and that, like, what's he? He probably just I peel think off. He play, I think he plays more lockdown, Tomlinson, and, and they let lever or even Gorn drop off and be the interceptor. So I don't yeah. like Tomlinson at all. That's good. I wouldn't pick him anyway. I'm just trying to come up with some <laughs> options because there's there's not no. much, actually. Um, Pickett is probably the other one for draft leagues. Um, they were just saying as well, yeah, that probably looks like he'll be getting sort of six to eight-minute bursts in the midfield because they quite like the dynamic of when he's in there. So if you have a, you know, a Clary and a, and a Petrarca or something rather than a, someone like Pickett who can easily break lines. And if he gets on the other side of the stoppage, he's gone. Like you will not get him. Uh, one of those X factor combinations that a lot of teams are looking for at the moment. Um, do you reckon he could go 80 for a draft or not quite? Keep a league. Yes. I don't I disagree with you then as well, Benny, because I don't like those X factor guys for super coach and that. Yeah. They, um, for draft though, even day, not for like standard, negative, but even even standard. for draft, like the only way I'm wanting him, if I'm if I'm taking him late, and I'm sort of fading my, my fading my forwards, and just streaming them every week, um, so against the right matchup, yeah, yeah, maybe for sure, but I don't know if they even use him in that like week to week. It just depends, unless I see something there. 
So I'm not as confident compared to some of the other guys. Um, He'll be I know, pinching like, the midfield, but I, I'm talking like there's not yeah. much draft relevance here. So well, I'm trying to look. The, come on, mate. Yeah, the, Bear with well, me. I, well, I'll, I'll go a couple. And that it's. I still think you like looking at a couple drafts. Lever's not a sexy pick compared to some of the other players, just because a key back. A lot of people still look at him, and go, "Well, there's compared to the players priced at the same price." But you know he's going to intercept Mark. Like it's not a bad defender who can drop. Like there's a little bit of value just because people miss him. Luke Jackson's the one I actually want to ask you about, Ben. Where would you take him in a draft? Well, first of all, fuck you. I go and dig the bottom of the barrel, trying to come up with a couple of options that might scrape an yeah. 80. And then you just go to the top and like, oh, yeah, Lever's like a boring pick, but he's great. And secondly, <laughs> fuck you. I reckon in between the break here today, you've gone, you know what? I agree with Ben too much. So you know what I'm going to do with <laughs> Melbourne? I'm just going to fuck his shit up. And I'm just yeah, going to say, exactly. I object. I yep. object a Fucking couple of object. times just to yeah. kind of really mess things up. How dare well, you? Well, mate, I, like I felt for you as a Queenslander with everything you guys are going through, but I'm like, no, fuck it. Oh, I still can't believe my comment earlier. I'm probably going to have to blank that one out. Um, anyway, all right. So with Jackson, where do I see him? Is that the yeah, question? Where like where in, in yeah, draft where, where, do you, where would you take him in a draft? A 10-team draft. Uh, uh, where are you taking him? Bench for flexibility. Might go an 80-odd. I think he's all right. He has probably natural progression to be able to get around an 80. Uh, but again... Inconsistencies where he's at. He had some really good scores, but he still averaged what 74, 66.9, 73.7 on the three splits. So, you know, it's not consistent enough. So maybe around 80, a bench yeah, so option, a, someone that you can put forward or ruck as a late option. That's it. See, I'm in a 14 person draft. So that skews, skews it a little bit there. But I just took him in round eight. So doing the maths there, what's that? Uh, pick one, one twelve. Well, ten is eighty, and then eight. Yeah. What was it four? So yeah, so four, fourteen say, is twenty-eight, say, and then the thirteen. Say caught the thirteenth round. Fifty-six, hundred fifty-six. No, no, yeah, no, call it round eleven. Round eleven. Okay. Yeah, and he ended up being my F two with that, and in the group chat, a lot of people were like, ah, oh, shit, I was going to take Jackson soon. So I think there's a lot of hype around Jackson, and I and. I think in drafts, because he's that ruck forward, especially those people who, like me, like to wait, like leave their rucks to later, um, I think there's a lot of love for him this year. But, you know, again, it's, it's hard because, yeah, we saw what he did in the grand final. There's going to be weeks there. I'm confident he's going to go over 100. There's other weeks where he's probably going to score 60. So it's a real tough one with him. But because of his dual position, there's a lot to like as well. Right. So, Helen, you said you picked him up in round eight? Round eight in a fourteen-person draft. Jeez, and so that's like low. That's like one. That's like one twelve. Yeah, range round eleven. Around. Yeah, yeah, and man, it that's... seemed like if I didn't pick him there, everyone was picking him in that round two, well, which was let interesting. Them, let them pick him. Yeah, yeah, but that's... I like that dual position. Yeah, but for that, for fuck. yeah, I know, I know. That's but horrible. then, but then I was looking through my rucks in this as we digress a little bit, but most of the rucks were gone. Um, so it also depends, I guess, if there were, if there were plenty of rucks still on the board, I would have not touched him, but with a lot of people targeting rucks, um, especially with the news, because we just don't know about some of these other rucks. Like what well, we've talked about the Hawks. We've got no fucking idea what's going on week to week. The, the Giants now have openly admitted that they're going to chop and change. So unless you're handcuffing and going Bruce and Flynn, 
and putting one on your bench, it makes it difficult to have confidence in, you know, some of these rucks. So yeah, if you're um, nah. yeah, you easy, kind of mate. Go easy. Real. You, you tell you what, you you go and you go and get um, you go and get a player, and um, like Reeves, and then if he loses his job, you go and get the other ruck. It's fine. It's the rucks will probably go you eighty odd, and yeah, well, that, there's that always someone that pops up. Like Max Gorn popped down nowhere. Riley O'Brien popped down nowhere. When you've got a couple of people, Hayes, they keep talking about how good he is and they have to give games to him. All right, Lysette's aging. You look at a few of these others. So it's one of those things. And, and my, my structure normally, unless I can get my captain option and still go and get a ruck, right, or unless the notable option is you know, Grundy, right, which he seems to be going pick one at the moment or, or close to, which is, you know, crazy but effective. If I'm not getting Gorn or Grundy or – being able to go and probably get, um, you know, your Riley O'Briens or your or Sean Darcy or even the Big O, right? I don't mind that. But outside of that, if I miss the boat on those, I am not even worried. I'm just moving on. Like it's anyway, a little bit of draft strategy there. Yeah. Um, anyway. anyway, let's have uh, a what look. About, well, what are your thoughts, just premium wise, about Christian Salem? Um, yeah. Look, he's all right. He averaged 106 for the first third and then dropped every third since, 95 and then 82. Um, look, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. Would I pick him at a 94 average? Maybe. All right, two-thirds of the year, that's kind of what he gave you, so I don't mind it in draft leagues. Um, I think, you know, short is a way better option. Um, probably a little bit more than that, I guess, but, I'd, you know, there's definitely, I think, better options around it. Uh, I'm not – I don't know. I think he's, yeah, you know, winning side, I think Salem could do all right, but – I don't know. I'm not too sold. And that's what, how I feel about a lot of Melbourne players. You know, you look at, you know, Viney, I think, yeah, I'd pick him up in a draft league because he has potential to go 100, but it's Viney. He's injury prone. You know, Harms is kind of chopping and changing his roles. You know, McDonald, who knows there? Stephen May and Levar can be good, but also injury prone. Dunstan comes in. It's like, well, is he going to be best 22? Or are they just, are they going to make room for him and shift people? Or are they just going to use him as depth? Yeah, he's like, there. That's like the top. Outside the top ones, there's not much there, to be honest. Like Dunson's, Dunson's there, break glass in case of emergency. Yep. Yep. And that's pretty much it. That's yeah, it. That, that's Melbourne that, in a nutshell. It is, it is not Melbourne in a nutshell. And that because they had such a big year, you needed to be on the Melbourne players last year. It's as simple as that. Where this year, yeah, you're, you're paying what, you're, what they're worth. They just don't have the value compared to other years. Yeah. I feel you. Anyway, that's Melbourne. Uh, next up, we have the North Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne's little brother that doesn't perform as well. We go from first to last, and um, that's it. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> See ya. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry!